Hi, this is Matt Wallace, lead pastor at Holy Cross Lake Mary, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray this message inspires you and helps build your faith. To learn more about Holy Cross, visit hclm.org. Enjoy the message. It's Pastor Chris, and we continue this week in the sermon series Renew, uh, what we're covering through uh, our Lenten service, uh, right? Our Lenten, Lenten season right now, um, and so today we are going to be talking about Exodus uh, chapter sixteen, verses two through twenty-one. Exodus chapter sixteen, verses two through twenty-one, and this is most likely uh, some verses that you've probably heard before, but I'm going to read it for you right now. Feel free to follow along uh, on your phones. Uh, whatever, but this is Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 through 21. Here we go. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, Okay, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather just enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumblings against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening. And all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumblings against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but you're grumbling against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, he looked toward the desert, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the clouds. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, the flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord had given you to eat. This is what the Lord had commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer uh, for each person that you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it, The one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until the morning. However, some of them didn't pay attention, and they kept it until the morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. 
So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. And this is the word of the Lord. Yeah, so I have a question as we're starting off. Uh, Pastor Matt is, is here with us today. And if you have a question or a comment uh, to any of these answers or a relatively funny, clean joke, you can text Pastor Matt at 407-842-8884. Again, 407-842-8884. Here's my opening question for today, though. How would you describe faith to an unbeliever? How would you describe faith to an unbeliever? Text that to Pastor Matt. Or you can put it in the Facebook or YouTube chats. You know, last week, Pastor Matt's sermon, if you were here, it really got me thinking as I left. Um, I was thinking, because he, last week, if you missed it, you should go back and listen to it. It's a great sermon. Uh, but he was talking about miracles. And, uh, I mean, he talked a lot about a lot of things, but he talked about miracles. And do miracles still occur, occur in the church today? And... You know, how does that happen? And, and as I was driving home last week, I was thinking about the, 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 you know, the 20 years of miracles that I've, I've seen like in this building, the things that God has done, nothing that any of us have done, but the things that God have, has done. And then I started wrestling with it a little bit too because I, I, I was thinking, man, you know, we have prayed for literally thousands of people you know, to be healed from cancer and, and to be healed from certain things. And, and sometimes it happens, but a lot of the times it doesn't. And as I was uh, thinking about that, I, I was reminded that whether that person that we pray for or not is healed, whether they are healed or whether they are not healed, there is still, as a believer, we still have the promise of eternal life, right? And so if we're not healed in this world, then we are, um, we, we, this world is not the end, right? And so we are then escorted into the presence of God, and there's going to be a time where Jesus returns, and we know this, but it still doesn't make the passing of a loved one any easier. And, and I come back to my original question that, Sometimes I wonder why certain prayers are answered and certain prayers are not. But I know one thing is certain, that we should be praying for healing, right? But I go back and I think, maybe some of you saw the, I was moved to put this Facebook video on this week. I talked to Pastor Matt about uh, Luke Paulson and his dramatic healing, his miracle uh, if you haven't seen that, go to our Facebook page, check that out. It's a really cool story with Luke. Um, and I was thinking about Luke's story. I was thinking about Tracy Alardo's story. I was thinking about people that we've seen who have been healed, you know, and, and the miracles. But then, not only have we seen people beat a stage four cancer diagnosis in this building, we have seen, you know, kids recover from diseases that we didn't think they would. We have seen not just physical healing, but we've seen um, mental healing. We've seen relational healing. We've seen some amazing things. We've seen family relationships that looked like they were done. And somehow, through the miraculous (laughs) 
There are miraculous repentance and reconciliation power of our Lord. They are brought back together. We have seen siblings who haven't spoke with each other for years, and we've prayed for it, and it's been he- that relationship has been healed through Christ. We've seen couples that if you would have said to me, they're going to get divorced, I would have said, yeah, probably. Been healed through the power of Jesus Christ. That's the only way that it could have been healed. So while we talk a lot about faith as Christians, I think sometimes we don't define it well to the people outside of the church. There's an idea that faith is this little private thing that we have. It's something like a personal opinion or a way that someone feels. And sometimes we pretend that someone can be a Christian without giving any evidence to the fact. Sometimes we like to act as though we can be faithful without our unbelieving friends even discovering that we are Christian. These notions, of course, are silly and untrue and unworthy. And, it, and the reason that sometimes it becomes, these ideas become popular are puzzling. But let's get a clear definition. Pastor Matt, if you don't mind, um, what are some, I, uh, some definitions? What is faith? How would you explain it to a non-believer? Yeah, so we got a, a, a lot of different uh, answers. Uh, one person, uh, and I'm giving this one right after you define the question, um, said with their testimony. Uh, oh. So like oh. they would give a testimony and, and that would show the person kind of what faith is and how it works. And how Christ works in their life. Right, and how Christ works oh, in their that's life. that's good. That's really uh, good. But a lot of other stuff too. Uh, so um, uh, faith is the absence of anxiety, giving up what you can't control. Um, uh, uh, this person said, I thought this was kind of interesting, belief is knowing that he can, faith is knowing that he will. Say that right? again. Belief is knowing that he can, faith is knowing that he will. Oh, you wow, know? yeah, um, good. So, um, uh, uh, um, believing that uh, just as a child has faith in their parents to provide all their needs, uh, our faith in God's promises to meet all our uh, spiritual and physical needs. Uh, believing beyond understanding, uh, faith is a gift, yeah. which is, of course, true. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing that keeps coming up over and over is just an idea of trust. Uh, Connie on our um, uh, live chat said simply trust, and then uh, trusting in the love of God, someone else said, or the absolute trust in the promises of God. So That's real good. trust a big thing. Yeah. So, those are excellent. Thank you. Um, you might not even need a sermon today, but you're going to get one. Um, so, <laughs> here's, here's the thing. When we look at these verses in Exodus today, when we look in Exodus 16, um, I think uh, this is how it kind of goes down. We get three verses every week, and we get to pick one that we want to do a sermon on. And I wanted to do this because I think it's an excellent story in faith. These verses are an excellent story in faith. And, and, and let me tell you why. The children of Israel are confronted right now. The children of Israel are confronted by the reality of God and his goodwill toward them. They had certain promises. And all they had to do 
was just quite simply believe. That's all they had to do. They were given promises. They just had to believe. But to be honest with you, the children of Israel were horrible at believing. They would have got, as a teacher, they would have got a D minus in believing. They were not great at it. Um, And that doesn't start well for the children of Israel. So check this out. The children of Israel, they are, you know, they're, they're making bricks. They're making bricks. They don't have enough hay. They're making their bricks. They're getting beat. They're not getting enough food. Life is horrible as a slave in Egypt. And so day in and day out, they can't wait to be freed from this miserable life. And then God works the 10 plagues. He protects them from the effects of the last plagues. And then the Passover angel comes, and God protects their children from that. And now they're encouraged to leave Egypt. But not only are the children of Egypt, I'm sorry, the children of Israel encouraged to leave, the people of Egypt want them out so bad that they're like, hey, take some gold. Take some silver. Just get, get, get out, you know. Get out. Just go. And so now the children of Israel want slaves, have gold, have silver, and they're running out of town. They're getting their freedom, and they're going, and they're going, and they're probably lugging all their stuff, and they have to hurry real quick, and they come to the Red Sea. And now they're like, uh, what are we going to do here? In the meanwhile... Pharaoh has changed his mind. And he said, go get back those Israelites. I'm not going to be able to build anything without all those slaves. Go, go, go. And so his army gets in the chariots and they start pursuing the Israelites. And now this is some kind of movie. They look back. The the chariots are coming. The people are freaking out. They've got gold. They've got silver. They've got their family. They've got their freedom. And then, miraculously, the Red Sea opens up. Are you kidding me? The Red Sea, how must that have felt as they walk across dry land? I would have been doing one of these numbers. Are you kidding me? This isn't, let's go. They get across the Red Sea. The chariots of Pharaoh enter the Red Sea. Boom! The water closes on them. And now the Israelites are on the other side. Free. And celebrating? Grumbling. Grumbling. In fact, one of the first lines that we read is why didn't you just leave us over there to be slaves because we had pots full of meat? Are you kidding me? Wait a second. If you were part of that crew that went across a sea that was parted, do you think you'd ever grumble in your life? Liars, you would. And I would too. This is kind of amazing. Thank you to my family for bringing this gigantic globe. 
I said at 8 o'clock, do we have a big globe? Well, we've got a globe, so thank you. This is our globe. You know, Pastor Matt, you're the scientist of, between the two of us. I read something that in the equator, all right, if you took the speed of the earth, that we are spinning at the equator at 1,000 miles per hour. We are spinning at 1,000 miles an hour. But not only is the earth spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, we are, we are moving at 64,000 miles an hour. So we're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, and we're traveling at 64,000 miles around the sun. 1,000 miles an hour, 64,000 miles an hour spinning. And if we, a scientist that I read just the other day said, if we were just a few, I don't know, a few more thousand miles away from the sun, we would all freeze to death like we were living in Chicago. And if we were a few thousand miles closer to the sun, we would all burn up like Orlando in July. That kind of seems like a miracle. That kind of seems like a miracle. 1,000 miles an hour, 64,000 miles an hour, and I'm not dizzy. I'm not falling off the earth. You know what? God is so good. We say that a lot. But that's kind of the message I want to get across today. God is so good. Because here's what would have happened if any of us would have been selected to be God. Which, thank God, we weren't. Check this out. The Israelites are grumbling after the miracle of the Red Sea. They're saying, why can't we go back to the pots of stew? And God's like, instead of smiting them all, he blesses them. He blesses them. He hears their grumblings, and he decides to bless them miraculously and abundantly. And see whether or not they would walk in his word. He decides to bring birds in abundance in the evening. He's bringing the quail sandwiches in every night. And in the morning, the dew pops up and it's got this bread. And a pastor once told me that manna actually stands for what is it? Is that what you've heard too? Okay. I heard that uh, from the seminary. They said that the word manna actually stands for what is it. <laughs> so they're eating was is it, what is it in the morning and quail at night. And the text, doesn't, the text doesn't include all that we know about it, but God fed them for 40 years with this food, six days a week, faithfully for that entire time. And manna comes with this set of directions from God. First one is to get up, collect. Once the sun gets hot, the what is it will evaporate. The second direction was to gather only what you needed for that day. God would be feeding you every day. So just trust in him 
and only collect what you need, except on that sixth day, go and get enough for the next day so you can honor the Sabbath, so you don't have to go out and work. These were the rules, the test of faith that God provided. He said this, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. Then I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. And here's the thing, they failed. Our text tells us that even though they were commanded to gather only for the day and to keep nothing overnight, they still did. And God caused it to rot and breed worms in it. Keeping it overnight was simply a failure to trust that God would provide the next day. Four verses after our lesson ends, some of the people ignored the third directive and did not keep the Sabbath day manna and went out to find food on the Sabbath, and they found none. Hunger was then their reward for their unbelief. But here's the thing. This lesson is highlighted by the Israelites' lack of faith. They saw God's goodness. They witnessed God's abundance. And they didn't trust him. They thought it might end. That it might just disappear. Adam and Eve had the exact same problem. They didn't trust God in spite of their experience of his daily goodness of blessing them and loving them. They looked for blessings where they were told they were not to be found. And it's not very surprising to find that we tend to be as difficult about faith as, they, as our ancestors were. No matter how long God takes care of us, cares of us, care of us, he seems to imagine, uh, we can always imagine to, to, to find a time when he won't. And we imagine ourselves in danger that are not real and rarely stop to consider that God is with us. Here's the thing. God demonstrates his love for each and every one of us. Each and every day. And sometimes we move past the blessing and we're looking for our next blessing before we can even say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you. How can we grumble and worry as though we have never seen or tasted the goodness of God? Troubles aren't fun. Man, I know there are people out there right now going through troubles. we got a prayer list full of people who are going through trouble. Sickness is no joy. God creates health and wellness where it exists. We cannot run so far that God cannot find us, bless us, or keep us. Here's the advice for today. <laughs> Trust God. Come before him in prayer. Do what is right and faithful. Don't be afraid to talk about how God has moved in your life. And once that song, hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Let your testimony shine to an unbelieving world. And don't be reluctant to trust him. And speak as those who have God on their side and blessings in our pocket. Look what he did for ancient Israel. He can meet any need. He just 
doesn't usually do it in such open and outwardly miraculous ways. But guess what? Sometimes he does. And we'll keep praying for those. Don't stop your prayer request. Keep trusting in God. And celebrate the moments when he acts in your life. Don't be afraid to share those. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and the miracle of life. We thank you, Lord, that you have been with us and blessed us. And, and it's easy to look at all the things that we don't have or, you know, the blessings we still need, and that's okay. But we come before you today, Lord, and we say thank you. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for loving us. Even when we turn our back on you, Lord, grow us closer to you. Help us to be the kind of people that can share what you've done with us to an unbelieving world. In your name we pray, Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to learn more or contribute to Holy Cross, please visit hclm.org.